Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. Last Tuesday, I told you that Lacey and I were going to go up to um, Tennessee, to Nashville, for his um, 20th, uh, I was going to say high school, college um, reunion. And, you know, we really prayed that that, well, number one, that he'd have a great time and reconnect with friends that just mean so much for him and much in his life. And, um, you know, you have so many thoughts going up there. And one of the things that we prayed is that we would, you know, be able to be a light. And, and, and I prayed personally not having gone to that college and not having known those people, a lot of them, for as long as he has, that that I'd be able to really speak their language and... and um, be real to them and, and who I am, and we uh, there was <laughs> there was an opening party on Friday night, big tents and um, food, and everyone had a name tag. Spouses had name tags, and here I am, you know, trying to make him proud, so to speak, and I get the hiccups. So that almost every person he introduces me to, I say hello. <laughs> it was so, it was very humbling. I'll put it that way. And you know, God does have such a sense of humor. And it, it opened up so many conversations, believe me, um, besides having to prove that it was the hiccups and the hiccups only. But um, God is just so good. And one of the things I thought of with that 20-year reunion is, 20 years went by so fast. I mean, it was like stepping out of one room and into another. You know, you hold a baby in your arms, and then 20 years later, they're graduating from high school, and 20 years later, you're holding their baby in your arms, and 20 years later, that baby's graduating from high school, and it just happens so fast. And I see our whole society and our whole generation, um, not everyone, but um, certainly the media and certainly Hollywood and certainly the people that we seem to hold in great esteem as a society, trying to slow down their age as if to say, I don't want to go on. You know, I need to stay here. I don't want to age, you know. But with age comes wisdom. Hopefully, with God it does. And it also comes but it brings us to a place where we are closer and closer to the real life because this is not where it stops. It doesn't have to be. This is just earth, and then we have heaven to look forward to. But it also has to bring us to a place where we realize most of us at some point in time, whether you're 10, whether you're 17, and then sometimes it takes some of us even longer to say, God, I just can't do this anymore. I am not going to make it without you. I'm just not. And God actually likes that kind of heart. He actually likes the child that cries out to him and says, I'm not going to make it without you. I cannot do this anymore without you. He likes that kind of heart. My daughter this morning, I woke her up and 
First of all, she's 10. She's in fifth grade. She's not here tonight, or I wouldn't be saying this. But she's really hard to wake up. You know how there's just some people that just get out of bed and they're just happy and singing and they're in the shower? That's Lacey. And our whole family calls him the morning gnat. Because he just kind of, you know, he's so happy, he just want to swat him away. And um, we all just kind of, you know, I don't think anyone should have to be happy, at least unless they've been up for about 30 minutes. But Maddie really drags in the morning. And this morning, I could not get her up for school. And she just said, Mom, she said, I just can't go. I can't go. And she just started crying. And, and she told me that she's so far behind in her book report. It was due two weeks ago. And she really has a lot of problems in general concentrating just like we all have weaknesses. We all have things that are difficult for us. And she just felt so overwhelmed and so completely like, almost like where you get to that point where no matter how hard you try, it's still overdue, you know? No matter how good you do, it's just too late. You ever been there in life in some way? like you can't make it up really you can still turn it in I've been there where I just feel like God I can't win you know and so she just looked up at me and she said I just want to stay home if you please just let me stay home with you please I just can't do this anymore and I knew that putting it off and ignoring it wasn't going to do her any good you know procrastinating and letting her not finish her um, project was not going to help her at all. So I said, no, Maddie, you know, you got to go to school. And that just brought on more tears. And, and she goes, Mom, it's just so hard for me. You know, some of the things that are easy for the other kids, they're so hard for me. And I don't want to go to school. And I said, Maddie, you've got to go to school. And she goes, well, please help me. And I just felt a father heart of God. Because, see, as her parent, there's been many times that I've looked over her shoulder as she was doing something, whether it was homework or making a decision and how to um, interact with a friend, just many things. And I said, hey, Maddie, I'm here for you. And she said, hey, I don't need any help. I don't need any help. I can do it. I can do it. But I heard her loud and clear this morning. She said, please, I can't do it. Please help me. And see, the Father heart of God, when we do that, it's called humbling ourselves. It's when you recognize your weakness and you say, you know what? No matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, no matter what, it's still going to be overdue. It's still not good enough. I'm not going to make it without you, God. Please help me. And I said, Maddie, this morning, you're going to school, but I'm going with you. And I'm going to go to your teacher, and I'm going to ask her if I can possibly help you during that recess period where you're staying back. You know, if I could possibly just be with you, just to kind of help you concentrate. She said, really? I said, yeah, I'll be with you. And in that moment, God reminded me of a psalm that says that God is near to the brokenhearted 
and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You know what that means? That means that when you're brokenhearted and when you call out to God, he's near to you. But he wants to hear, help me. Why? Because it means that you're humbling yourself before him. You know, I started looking up all these scriptures on pride and humility and I think that there's so many I could never even read them this evening but two they're really really significant say the exact same thing God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble James 4 6 and 1 Peter 5 5 and sometimes we look at that and we say well God gives grace to the humble and see that's exactly what I was extending to Maddie was grace, help, favor. And you know, by the time she got to breakfast, I said, you know what, Maddie, I'm not only going to go to school with you. And her teacher did let me. I'm not only going to sit with you at recess and be with you while you do this project. I'm also going to bring you McDonald's at lunch. She said, really? I said, yeah. See, because that's the heart of God. When the child says, help me, he doesn't just say, okay, here's the minimal. He says, let me help you and let me bless you. And see, then at lunch, Maddie invited another little friend to lunch. And at her school, if you invite someone to lunch and your mom's there, you get to go outside. So then the other friend was blessed. And I thought, that's exactly like God, too. When we're willing to humble ourselves before him, he not only gives us mercy and then blessing, but it almost always affects other people too. But what makes him not be able to extend that hand of mercy and to extend that hand of blessing to us is pride. So many times that I've said, no, I can do it. Thanks, I can do it. No, I'm fine. Thank you. I can do it. I can forgive those people. I can get over this. I can do that. Pride. And yet in those two scriptures that I just read, it says that God gives grace to the humble. Yes, that's great news. But it also says that he literally opposes the proud. Other versions say, that God sets himself against the proud. What does that mean to me? That means that I can be a Christian, or I can be a good person even, which is not necessarily the same thing. But what I'm saying is, I can be someone trying to live right, and God can be opposing me. Is that scriptural? It is. James 4, 6 and 1 Peter 5, 5 says that that's scriptural because he gives grace and help and favor and blessing to the humble. And I have found that in my life over and over and over and over and over and over again. Things that I set myself to um, get over. You know, um, 
this can be funny, but I'm not trying to make it funny, but I'm one of those people that by natural inclination has kind of a, um, I don't even know what you call it in psychological terms, but kind of more of a fearful, um, obsessive compulsive personality. Um, I mean, I laugh about the fact that I have about 40 pairs of stockings unopened in a drawer because I found a pair that I really liked a lot. And I thought, well, what if they run out and they stop making that pair? I might as well buy about 40. And that was about eight or nine years ago. And I learned my lesson on that because when you store stockings, the elastic wears out. So now I go to put on those stockings and it's like, well, okay. And they don't stay up very well. But for years, you know, I would like lose an item and I would just obsess about that item that I lost. I've got to find it. I've got to find it. I've got to find it. And I thought, I've got to get over this. I'm going to get over this. I am going to get over whatever it is. You may have a personality that's more of an addictive personality, or you may have fears that, that other people don't have. I remember the very first time that I expressed to someone that I had such severe back pain that I was bulimic at that time, about 20 years ago. And I remember expressing to someone that and having her say, Oh, honey, I was too, and I just asked Jesus, Jesus, take away the bulimia and she he just took it away and I never thought about it again and I remember thinking I'm going to kill you because I already tried that sometimes you can try everything in the world and God just wants you to say you know what God I don't want to go anymore I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do anything ever again without you. Please help me. I cannot do this without you. I think it's interesting how God sometimes will leave weaknesses within us, weaknesses within our personality, to where we're constantly dependent upon him. Because it shows our great need for him. And I've heard a lot of pastors and different teachers say that as you grow closer to Christ, you know, you become completely released of those weaknesses. And I think to a certain extent that's true. But it's been my experience that he leaves some in there. Maybe you have a hard time communicating with people. Maybe you get your feelings hurt easily. Maybe you really struggle with anger or alcohol abuse or substance abuse. There may be a weakness in your personality that's screaming out to you saying, humble yourself before God. I love these scriptures that Paul wrote. In, um, again, knowing that Paul you know, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and was filled with the Holy Spirit, was completely knowledgeable in the law. I mean, extremely intelligent, well-read, well-educated, amazing person. Knew the Spirit of Jesus Christ intimately. And yet he wrote these words. 
that God had not taken away a thorn in his flesh to keep me, he says, from becoming conceited because of the surpassing great revelations. There was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, says Paul. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Can you say that tonight? See, I sat on the floor of Woodridge Elementary with my fifth grader. Happily today. Couldn't prepare the message. Had too much going on. But God was preparing the message. And I was so happy. I didn't even want to be anywhere else. And I'll never forget the look in her eyes when she said, Mom, I finished the book of court. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being there for me. And see, God wants to hear that from you and from me. God, here is all my weaknesses. Here's the thing that I've told you that I would change all these years. And I'm so frustrated with myself because it hasn't changed and I haven't changed. Here's the situation where I'm banging my head against the wall and I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm asking, I'm acting anything like Jesus. And I don't like that inside me. See, because once you've tasted what it's like, what it's like to, um, to love people no matter the circumstance, it's so freeing. You're not willing to give it up. You're not willing to let other people's circumstances and or the things they say about you or do to you or don't do ruin or steal your peace or your love. Because it's something that God gives us that I don't have to give up even though someone might be be wanting to take it from me. You don't have to give it up. But many times I have to say, God, you know what? Don't want to go to bed. Don't want to go to school. Or rather, don't want to get out of bed. Will you just please go with me? Humble myself before you. And he is so faithful to go. These scriptures go on to say before, um, therefore, excuse me, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why For Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10 Can you believe that Paul can write that? I mean, can we get to a point where we literally delight in persecutions and hardships? Where we literally can say, you know what, I'm not happy that this happened. But I am so thankful to be reassured again of how weak I am and how much I need God and how strong He is. You know, I've been delivered from bulimia. I've been delivered from so many things. And I'm being delivered from so many things. I think sometimes we hear all these messages about healing and 
God's deliverance and all that's offered through the Bible, that you can walk in forgiveness. I hear that all the time. But I want to know how. I know it's possible because the Word says it's possible and God is not a man that he should lie. That's what the Word of God says. So everything he says in the Bible is true. But I want to know how. And God says, how? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. I think it's very telling that the man that God chose to deliver his people out of slavery from Egypt to the promised land was Moses. But see, the Word of God tells us why he was chosen. It says in Numbers 12.3, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. That's why he was chosen. Think about the people that God chooses. Do you know who they are? It's you. The people that God chooses to know His Son, Jesus Christ. See, because it's a choice on our part, because we have to choose God. But you know what? To choose Jesus, you have to humble yourself. You can't say, well, you know what? I've done everything else. I might as well do Jesus too. That's not choosing Jesus. Or you can't say, you know what? I need an insurance policy, you know, in case I do die, in case there is a heaven. And, you know, I choose Jesus. Or I was born into a church, therefore I choose Jesus. My parents went or my grandparents went and um, their names are on the back pew and God help anyone that sits there if they're not in my family. No. Really choosing Jesus is when God stirs in your heart. Maybe He shows you a few weaknesses that you have. And you kind of get to that point where you're like, I'm not going to make it without you, God. I obviously need forgiveness. And I'm probably going to need it again in about an hour. So God, in the name of your Son, who died for me so that I might know you, you know, I ask Jesus to come into my heart. See, it's humility that we're even chosen. And Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. And God chose him to deliver his people out of slavery into the promised land. And he's choosing a whole generation of us with all of our weaknesses, with all of our inconsistencies, with all of our eccentricities, with all of our strangenesses and the things we wish we could change and the parts of our heart that we're glad no one but God can see. He still is choosing you to lead other people and yourself and your family and your children out of the slavery of the world 
and into the promised land of love and forgiveness and freedom. And freedom to receive forgiveness and receive help. I humble myself, God. I really need you. I crack up at Moses because if the world was to do like a a profile on Moses, like if you considered Moses to be chosen by God and then you were in some class in college and they were like, let's do a profile on the background of Moses and see why God chose him. Well, who was Moses? You know, if we were to go by those qualifications for how you would have to be to be chosen, we would have to say that you you would have to commit a very large sin because Moses killed an Egyptian. So you would have to be, you know, somewhere in the murderer category. You know, do something really wrong, which all of us have in one way or another, because God doesn't rate sin. Sin is sin. And then you need to go and um, live in the wilderness for about 40 years working for your father-in-law. Anybody work for your father-in-law for 40 years? Consider yourself chosen. See, because sometimes we go, God, you know, who am I and what am I doing and what are you doing with me? And I think, you know, what did Moses think was going on for 40 years when he was in the wilderness? See, because during that time when it was him and God, And he could really reflect on, you know, I made a mistake in Egypt. My timing was off and I took a man's life. Please forgive me, God. Let me start over. I don't even want to go back there. He had those 40 years that God humbled him. But like you, wherever you are in the wilderness, I don't think he ever dreamed of what God could do with his life as he got lower and lower and lower and lower and lower till he knew, God, without you, I'm nothing. With you, I can do all things. That's what he did learn later on. But without you, I'm nothing. And we know that he really felt that way in his heart because it says that he was the most humble man. The Bible says he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. And God chose him to do something mighty for him. But God was the one that let him stay out in that wilderness. And I think so often about that because I don't like to be in the wilderness. Those are the times where it's lonely. Raise your hand if you work for your father-in-law. I'm just kidding. But I mean, those are the times where you feel like, what am I doing career-wise? Or what am I doing? I'm not fulfilling anything inside my heart. I don't understand what's going on in my life. And God's just maybe waiting, waiting, waiting. Just like he's waiting for all of us to say, God, please help me. I humble myself before you. I cannot change. You've shown me I cannot change. I, I can't make it without you. I humble myself before you. And he gives grace 
to the humble. And he chooses the humble to bring others out of captivity into his promised land. So sometimes that wilderness experience is from God. I was also thinking today how sometimes not only is the wilderness experience from God, but also the storms in our life He allows to happen. He allows storms in our life. And I know you all have had a lot of storms in your life. I don't know all of you. Obviously, I looked at some faces that I don't know, and it's kind of exciting because we're completely word of mouth at this point. We haven't done any massive mail-outs. We are just word of mouth. And um, But because you don't know me, I have been through a few things. I have been told I had very little time to live. I have gone through leukemia. I have gone through severe back surgeries. I have gone through deep disappointments and deep hurts, just like you have. Why did he allow those storms in my life? And I was talking to someone I probably admire more than anybody on this face of this earth, and I'm walking with her this morning, and I was talking to her about the biosphere that they did in, um, where was that, Arizona? Does anybody remember that? Where they created this perfect atmosphere and they were going to show that they could create this perfect ozone, you know, atmosphere. Does anyone, can anyone tell I made bees in science? Um, and the thing is that I can't see you, but does anyone remember all that biosphere stuff that they did a couple of years ago? And it failed. Well, one of the things that the scientists were saying, I was in Tennessee watching television in the, in the, in the hotel room um, for a time while I was getting ready and I just got a little blip of um, a scientist that came on and said, you know, one of the things that was interesting to them is that so many of the trees in the biosphere failed to grow and failed to thrive, which of course affected the carbon dioxide and, and, and every other living thing in the biosphere and contributed greatly to the failure of that perfect environment. And they realized that the reason that these trees failed to thrive and failed to grow is that there were no storms. There were no heavy winds. There were no adverse circumstances. Because when trees have adverse circumstances, that's when they dig their roots in deeper and they spread their branches out. It actually strengthens them. And I think about, you know, the storms that come into our life, like Paul was talking about, where he says, I literally glory in my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He's saying, when the storms come, I delight in them because I can humble myself and say, when God is with me. I'm strong, but I know my weaknesses. And without him, I wouldn't make it. And I delight in these hardships and these storms and these difficulties because I grow. What if I hadn't sent Maddie to school? 
What if my heart had just gone out to her and I said, Maddie, stay home. I know how you feel. Don't try anymore. What if I said, Maddie, I understand that you have great difficulty in concentrating. Give up. But see, the love in me said, you go, but because you asked for help, I go with you. That's the heart of God. When we start seeing how much reward and blessing there is in humility, Instead of becoming sort of a dirty word, you just can't wait. You can't wait to humble yourself. I had a situation recently that I was able to tell someone, you know, I don't know what transpired, but if at all I'm given the opportunity to humble myself, I would be so glad. And I meant it. I really meant it. Whenever I can get before God and say, God, first of all, I just usually say to him, you know how much I like you? I think about that because, you know, God says that we're made in his image and it means a lot to me when someone goes, hey, you know what? I really like you. So I think, you know, if I'm made in the image of God, surely he has feelings. And then I'll say, God, and you know not only that, You know I couldn't live without you. By the grace of God, go I. It's not what I've read. It's not because I was born with a good heart. It's not because I'm nice. It's because of you, God. What would I be without you? I humble myself before you. It's exciting. It is a place of power. I wanted to read a few more scriptures to you about humility because I think they're so, so powerful and so good. There's so many, I can't read all of them, but I want you to start hearing the promises in this as you humble yourself before God. And sometimes I have have a barometer in my life, too, to know if I'm humbling myself or not. And um, for me, personally... I know that I'm not walking in humility when I get really, really frustrated. Because then I realize I'm just like the child who the parent says, hey, you know what, I can see you're struggling with that. Can I help you? And they say, no, 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 go away. Because when I can really give things over to God, no matter how much is on my plate, And I've had a lot on my plate before, and so have you. And I can say, God, you know what? You know I'm not equipped to do this. You know I'm overwhelmed. You know I don't know the first thing of what to do. You know I don't feel like I'm being treated fairly. You know I feel like I'm out of control in this situation. But I humble myself before you, and I ask you, God, please help me. And he says, not only will I help you, I will go with you. I will do things that you cannot even imagine. 
that I would do. Psalm 25.9 says, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them His way. Psalm 147.6 says, The Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. Psalm 149.4 says, He crowns the humble with salvation. We talked about that. You can't receive salvation without humbling yourself before God. Proverbs 3.34 says that God mocks proud mockers but gives grace to the humble. Isaiah 62, 66 verse 2, the second part says, this is the one that I esteem. Wouldn't it be great if God esteemed you? This is the one that I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Daniel is told by God, this incredible, incredible thing that I, I really believe is for all of us here. And, you know, sometimes you're praying to God and you're in a really difficult situation, which Daniel was, and we don't have time to go into it. But listen to God's answer. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Seems to be God's answer for most everything, doesn't it? Do not fear. You know, fear is the opposite of love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment and those who have been perfected in love are not fearing. See, because fear tells me that God may not come through for me. And I'm in no greater fear than when I'm depending solely on myself. Because I can't even tell you how many times I've let myself down. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. Since the first day you humbled yourself before me, I've come in response to your prayers. That's a promise to us. That if we humble ourselves before God, just like me with my daughter. And I'm an imperfect parent, but I came in response to her humility. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he can command. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Matthew, that was Zephaniah 2.3. Matthew 11.29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Who said that? Our Lord himself said, I'm humble, and if you put on my cloak of humility, you will find rest. And I love that scripture because there is one thing that I hear more than anything else, and that is when you ask someone, how are you? They always say, oh, I'm fine, how are you? And you say, oh, I'm fine, how are you? But then if you go, no, really, how are you? And you know what people say? I'm busy. that mean they aren't getting enough sleep? Sometimes. But you know what it really means? It just means I am so exhausted trying to control my circumstances. I am tired. And Jesus says, if you humble yourself before God, you will actually find rest. 
try it. It works. Luke 1.52 says, He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. Ephesians 4.2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. James 1.9 says, The brother is humble. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. In other words, when you're humble, not only, you know, some people take that as financially, but what the Bible is always talking about It's humble in your heart. You know, there's an interior and there's an exterior. And God cares about your heart. And he can exalt the humble, but he brings the prideful low. Can I go on? Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate. Be humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. James 4.10 I always think about that. Do you need to be lifted up? Sometimes I'm like, I just need a lift, you know. I just need encouragement. And if I really am going to believe what God says in His Word, then I should know that if I just simply humble myself before God, He'll literally lift me up. Not only to a position that He wants me to be in, but just lift me up on the inside. Because see, I've gotten to an age, and probably you have too, where my inside matters more than my outside. You can look like you have it all together, but you could be dying inside. And humbling myself before God has brought me rest and peace and joy. When I was in the hospital, taking leukemia, I mean taking a chemotherapy for leukemia and I had no hair and nurses would wake you up at four in the morning and weigh you and then ask if you want a sleeping pill so you can sleep, you know. Have you all, that's kind of the hospital thing, right? Haven't you been in the hospital before and somebody wakes you up and says, do you need a sleeping pill? And you're thinking, why did you just wake me up to ask me if I needed a sleeping pill? But I remember, you know, just being challenged in those months in the hospital. You're challenged when you can't see your child because they could give you a disease and you don't have an immune system. So you just can't see them. You're challenged when you've got tubes in your heart, one giving you blood, one giving you liquids, and one giving you chemotherapy that isn't making you feel very good. You're challenged as you watch your long blonde hair, although it was highlighted, fall in in heaps on the bed. But can you be the same in those circumstances as you are when everything's going great? You can if God has worked on your inside. And I can even be the same in my weaknesses. Okay, God, you and I both know have a little trouble obsessing about things. Have a little trouble worrying about things sometimes. Just like Maddie might someday say, God, have a little trouble concentrating. Have to work a little harder in school. But I think that you're with me. If we humble ourselves, 
And then God does those things that we could never, ever do. One of my biggest challenges is, is being a people pleaser. So how could I possibly stand up on a stage and cry and not care? Because I spent some time in the wilderness, as you have and maybe are, and I got to a place where I was like, God, you know what? If it's not with you, I'm not going to make it. And God said, oh, good. Now I can use you. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this evening, and um, we humble ourselves before you. God, I'm so excited for any time that I can humble myself before you or before another person that I can get lower and say I'm sorry or I was wrong or please forgive me even if I don't understand what I did. Father, I'm so thankful that I can come to you with my weaknesses, my imperfections, those things in me that maybe I thought should have been taken care of by now. But for some reason you've left them there. And instead of feeling rejected, I can say, God, those are the very reasons that I need you so desperately. Father, I just pray for anybody who's experiencing a storm in their life or a wilderness time, maybe in their marriage, maybe in their own relationship with you. And I just pray in Jesus' name, that they would take the opportunity tonight, take the time, seize the moment to humble themselves before you and to say, God, you know, without you, I don't even want to get up. I just humble myself before you and I ask for you to please go with me. Change me, help me, heal me, restore me. Do those things that only you can do, God. that only you can do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I want to encourage you all tonight. Part of humility a lot of times, at least for me, is is praying with somebody else. And there is a scripture in the book of James that says, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And a lot of times when we're going through something, God can be really working on your heart that you do need to pray with someone. And it's just so easy to walk away and um, with your pride intact and your problems intact too. So I just want to encourage you, you know, if, if for any reason God's really prompting you that you need more prayer and you need to pray, um, there will be several people here in the front and... Um, they will want to pray with you. So take that opportunity and um, let God prove how amazing He is and how He always fulfills His Word in your life. That He gives grace to us.
We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org. K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.